brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. And by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. Try this again. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Logan just fucked up my intro. No shock there. We got to welcome this guy on. He is the editor-in-chief at Black Rifle Coffee, Marine Corps sniper, writer, and what I consider curator of emotions. You can use that. You're welcome. Mm, And creator... For the 25. I'm super stoked to have Logan on the podcast this week. Not only is he somebody that I admire from a business perspective and honesty and openness, but he seems to be an acceptable human. So welcome to the show, brother. Just acceptable? I mean, acceptable at best. (laughs) I like to say I like that uh, a purveyor of visual stimulation. Ooh, that's one I Mm -hmm. haven't heard before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And a lot of our conversation leading up to this was super enjoyable as well. Oh, God. Yeah. I sent sent voice memos. Everybody knows I do voice memos. And I've been doing that so much. No. Oh, really? I love it. I like it's so much easier. Yeah. Because I don't know if I probably took the breakdown of how much time I spend typing with my thumbs. It's a lot. Like you you started doing that. And then I started, uh, talking to Trevor that way through Instagram. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this all the time. It's so much better. So much more efficient. It is. It's way more efficient. People get super annoyed, in particular, my husband, because I send the little voice things on text message and he loses his absolute mind. He's like, the music has to stop and it doesn't integrate with the phone. I have to stop, <laughs> stop sending those to me. I just won't even listen to them. I'm like, fuck, they're so efficient. They're so efficient. So I guess now that we can talk that we've, uh, we've been chatting and I've uh, wanted to have you on the show for a little while. Frankly, I think you guys, uh, what you're doing at Black Rifle is incredible, but you awesome, yourself you. are, well, you're very welcome, but you yourself are your own person. And I think when you start talking about Black Rifle, everybody gets kind of all, all the humans associated with Black Rifle kind of just get sucked into the vortex of this is, these are Black Rifle, this is Black Rifle. So when you see you guys, everyone just associates that which is obviously what you want, but I want to know more about the individuals at Black Rifle. I think it's important to understand where you've come from, how you've gotten to where you are, in order to allow the veteran community to know that there is a way out of these traumas and these, and these things and these out of the military. There's a path here, and it can totally be done. And I think having people like you allows me to show that to others. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. It's a super good point because, you know, you look at uh, a lot of brands, these are not so much. It's kind of evolving, right? To where I think a lot more brands are having people who run it, people who start it are being associated with it from a, a personality standpoint, right? And that's what I truly enjoy about this thing is because I think that's just the direction people want to go, you know, in the States, like we have this huge made in America, like initiative that we want to be buying as much stuff as possible from America. I think we also are at that stage where we want to know what's going on behind the curtain with some of these entities and businesses that we're supporting a lot more, which just makes it enjoyable for us because we're just a bunch of 
crazy fucking humans who love to do wild shit and film it. And and so it, it creates that like personal connection with people that you're trying to provide value for. Like, I don't even like calling people customers because the relationship we have with our audience is so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just like, it, it's not like, I don't even feel like it's just a value swap, right? Like, Hey, we're, we're doing crazy amounts of shit on content side. Right. And like, we're providing value when it comes to media through inspiring, informing and entertaining people. But then we're also providing this huge product and you and in turn are participating in the purchase of that product. Like it's, it's such a good ebb and flow between the people that support us. Like it's, I think we've, we've, uh, we've reached just a really good point, kind of a precipice when it comes to business, because it like, it's a, just a rad relationship. It is. And it's cool to watch it grow. I mean, I've been a longtime fan of you guys. And I think most people who have served, whether they are American, Canadian, Australian, European, any pretty much any NATO, everyone knows you. They know you overseas, that you drink your coffee overseas. Like I've followed you guys throughout this process. And it's been very fascinating to watch how you've taken something that's so simplistic. And you hear this saying very often on, on shows like Shark Tank and Dragons, then you hear this very often. It's like, well, what makes you think that you can get a part of that market? Like the coffee market, like Starbucks cornered that shit and they had that dialed. And then you guys came in and were like, hold on here. Hold on. We can do this better, more effectively, more efficiently, because we know how to outflank people. We know to, <laughs> how to right. control the, the, you know, the narrative and the conversation. And I think it's a really incredible thing to see happen. What I've loved the most about watching the growth and not just of the company, but of the individuals within the company is you guys have all really seems like you found your niche, but you're fucking genuinely happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to be right. When you go through, like we all, we're all combat vets. We all have huge amounts of baggage, right? Like we're, we're all like, you know, the brain was, wasn't doing great at one point in time somewhere along the ways of our, of our post-service growth or in the middle of it. And so, um, that is, that was a really big part of the establishment of this is that we have to be in a position where we fucking love what we do. And this entity that is now black rifle is a really good platform for that to where we can live the existence that we want to live while we're running a business. Right. And you're running it in a way that is how I like to run my company. I am not the extent of size you are, but I will tell you when it comes to running a company, especially from a veteran's perspective, I don't want to, if it's not fun, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not doing it. It's as simple as that. I'm just not doing it. And not only that is it's important that other people are happy around you. You want to create that environment. You want to have people enjoy what they do because then you get the best out of those people. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to like the that old military adage, like, you know, my leadership style personally is lead by example, right? I think that is one of the most uh, efficient means to get your message across to various individuals. Now, I also think a good portion of society hates what they do and doesn't have a fun time throughout the day. So on top of the coffee and the content, we're also like, hey, with a little bit of work, a little bit of drive, a little bit of vision you can establish your own thing right. that you love every single day. Like it's not, 
I think some people look at this as like, oh my God, I can never do it. Like anybody can do it. Like right. we're, we're right. just a bunch of dumb grunts. Anybody can do this thing that we're working on in, in a, whatever way, shape or form. Right. Right. I think, I mean, I just between I you and what we got I mean, going look on. At right us. Yeah. Look at I us. I mean, look at us. Look at <laughs> us. Look at us. We're doing it. Ma, we made it. Yeah, no, not not even close. Um, but yeah, we're we're just we're just people that served in the military. We're not saying that we're you know Olympic athletes, fucking by any means. We're we're just putting the effort in, and I think that's the biggest thing that we miss in society nowadays is we the effort. You got to actually really work for it hard. Yeah, yeah, and you got to go. You got to go to those tertiary, third, fourth, fifth levels of. Uh, I like to call it four-dimensional thinking, right? So the first step to this is you have to uniquely ask yourself, like, what do you want? And I don't think that that's a question that people ask themselves enough is like, what do you want? What do you want out of life? Okay. You answer that question and then you begin the process of figuring out how to do that. Now, a lot of people figure out that to get what they want, it's a lot of work. And a lot of people get stalled in the process of getting there. And when you go back to that question of what do you want? Like, how bad do you want what you want? And if you really truly, like, if you can't say, I want to be doing this want in five, 10 years, just start over. Because you're going to get to that point where it sucks and you reach low creative levels mixed with a little bit of life beating you down and you have to push through that stuff. Right. And I think it's a, it's a testament because this, this is a great segue. You, you have a, you do have a military history, but you have a, I feel like you have a unique perspective. So not only being a scout sniper and doing those types of things in the Marines, but you were deployed in particular to an area that I know well, I haven't set foot there, but I know well, because I know the Brits that used to run it right before you, you guys, the Americans took it over. Yeah. And you have this unique perspective that a lot of veterans maybe don't have. You've been looked in the face of death and you've found calm within that. And I think it's taken time for you to get there, but I'd like to go back a little bit, if you will allow me and have you kind of go through a very quick synopsis of what that was like for you and where it left you after you got out. Because I think that's so relatable and so many people are going through that type of process right now. No fucking clue of how to handle their emotions or talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to just do yeah, the recap thing? Yeah. I don't want yeah, so- full recap. Well, you want, okay. How about this? So what year did you join the military? I got you. What year did you join? Seven. 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 Okay. Seven. Uh, how old were you? I was 20. 27. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So you are three years older than me then. Yeah, you're three years older than me. So you, okay, in seven. And then how quickly did you deploy after that? Uh, Seven months, something like that. Um, I did did two MUSE, which is a Marine Expeditionary, Expeditionary Unit deployment. So I didn't end up in a combat zone until my third deployment. So on a ship for six to seven months at a time, it's not very enjoyable a lot of times. Um, uh, But that allowed me to get centrically uh, to the place that I wanted to be career-wise within the Marine Corps because initially 
Um, the thing that I signed up for didn't end up panning out the way that it should have, you know, Marine Corps things. Uh, I started as uh, I went infantry and then I was of the mindset, like I just wanted to do the hardest thing I could possibly on the track that I signed up for. Right. So I became a 0351, which is an assaultment demolitions, breaching rocket launchers, stuff like that. And then, you know, Marine Corps said, Oh, you're going to a weapons company, which is not where I was supposed to be. So I ended up sitting in a Humvee in the back of a truck, uh, kind of not serving the purpose that I thought I was going to be doing. So I was fortunate enough to have a really great platoon commander on my first deployment, who was a silver star recipient in that, uh, 04 Fallujah campaign, uh, who is also a, a former enlisted scout sniper and he took me under his wing on ship um and i owe a lot of what ensued and the progress that i made as a marine to this man uh because he basically he kind of identified me as a good candidate to become a scout sniper and he started that process while i was on ship like from the physicality to it to the math of it uh to the tactics of what it means to become a scout sniper and and telling me his stories about what it was like to go through that process uh hyper intelligent individual um and so you know you got a lot of time on ship to to work on your fitness um and also, uh, you know, working out on ship, uh, you have constant stability issues because you're balancing, you're, you're doing a double balancing, right? Like if, if you're doing chest press or shoulder press, like not only are you lifting weight, but you're also counteracting the, the yeah. weave of the ship. And I was on a smaller ship. So, um, I came out I of that. I never thought of that. I never yeah. thought of that. I came out of my first deployment. Like I was in superior shape, um, and took the scout sniper in doc uh, shortly after I got back from my first pump and was off to the races after that. I always find it fascinating how your military uh, works. It's really, it's really interesting to me. You're like, we have the army. Fuck it. We need Marines. It's like, uh, what is the fucking point? Why don't you guys just merge into one? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get the compartmentalization of just the way you guys run your country. It's so fascinating to me. It's just very interesting. Well, yeah, you, you got to have the, the crazy fighting force that's underfunded, that's just willing to do stupid, courageous shit. That's the army in Canada, though, bro. Is it? I don't know anything yeah. about that. It's yeah. Okay. Uh, we have Air Force, Navy, Army. Air Force, Navy, Army. Yeah, that's what we got. This is it. We, and we just send everybody who's like, I want to do stupid things. They're like, Army. Green, just put them in green, and then they're fine. That's the t-shirt they wear. They're the special kids. That's where they go. <laughs> They'll just go do whatever you want. Right, right. And that's what's super unique about uh, the U.S. military and the Marine Corps is just, just the heritage behind what the Marine Corps is, right? And then, you know, I think it does, you know, that little sibling rivalry that exists between yeah. services, you know, is super cool. And, and you, can, you can tell, especially with the company the size as it is now, like, hiring people post-service like you know you can oh, like no. if, if, I, if you if i stuck you in a room with a dozen employees and they're all from different services i bet you would be pretty close to being able to like oh you were a marine you oh, were yeah. an army dude you were a freaking air force cat right so yeah it, it really helps in the process of growing this business is like kind of teeing people up for for various elements within the brand based on their service and what you know they're kind of like what their foundation is as a human 
I love that. It's really, that's, it's super fascinating to me, honestly, because the dynamics, I can only imagine that it's an HR nightmare for you guys, because I know what it's like when I just, well, come on, think about it for a second. Cause I sit in a group of people. Like when I went and did Aya in January, I sat in a room of dudes who were different stuff and the shit talking that ensues, like you don't know anybody, but the shit talking that ensues almost automatically, just like it would be the Chappelle show is like one of the biggest things I miss the most is just being able to sit and everybody understand that nobody's racist. Nobody's prejudiced. Everyone loves everybody. We will put our lives on the line for you. But when it comes time to shit talk, like you go so hard, you go so hard. Oh yeah. You can't say that to anybody else. Cause you'd be sued. Well, that's what's freaking awesome over here. Like the, the culture within the community, like you feel like you can be yourself and you don't have to right. walk around on eggs, eggshells very much because of the fact, like everybody has that underlying, like, as you know, in the military, like you, you endure immense amounts of boredom and through, through the boredom, uh, you get a huge amount of connection shit talking becomes a part of it and then you have to activate your creative brain in order to you know stay sane in a way and all of those things exist within what we're doing here and it's really enjoyable to be a part of this uh because a lot of people i think kind of struggle with like okay so how do i take my military career and make it useful in the civilian capabilities. And I think that the military tees you up to be super successful, but a lot of times you don't even think about it because right. it just, it doesn't seem like a direct connection. But when you take some of these things that we would do just kind of by proxy of the environment that you're in, in the military, you know, for example, so like, I think some of the most awesome creativity comes when you're bored right or, or when you're like when you're sitting around for extended periods of time some of our best ideas for videos that we've ever come up with have been in moments when we completely remove ourselves from what's going on in the company go out into the middle of nowhere and like just be bored with each other for a while and, and that's like nobody would you know take that at surface value and be like oh that's what i'm you know that's how I'm going to be creative is go be bored. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. But after you work through this a little bit, like we could, we could write a whole book at this point, just teeing we up. Should. Like, yeah, we should. That's actually a really good idea. Oh, I, I know I'm going to take credit for that. Everyone <laughs> record Kelsey Sharon of brass and unity is my fault. That black rifle wrote a book. I feel like I should at least get free coffee for life. Just saying. Let you write the forward. How's that? Yeah, holding you to it too. Yes. Next, keep going. But I think that would be a really good, like, uh, you know, it would be very satirical too, but just taking all these things about what you become adept at within the military and then being able to apply that to the business world, I think that would be of tremendous value to a, a, just about everybody that exists. No, as I agree. No, I agree 150%. I think that's why I try really hard to, people ask me often, why do you keep having like bearded dudes on your show? Because <laughs> number one, they're fun to talk to. Number two, there is tremendous value in service-related individuals. There's a reason why most companies, well, I, maybe I'm generalizing here, but why not? Everybody else fucking does. So um, it seems like from my perspective, a veteran company 
almost for the most part succeeds on some level, whatever the, um, the succession level is, they all vary and they're all different. There's a sliding scale, but they seem to get it done. No matter what the problem is, they get it done. There's something to be said for veteran entrepreneurs and the value they bring to society. I'd argue outweigh individuals who go to university who have never had adversity thrown at them or difficulty thrown at them because they don't know how to think under stressful situations. And I think there is so much more use in having people that have been through some serious shit on the show. So next time somebody asks me, what, why? That's why. I think it's important to acknowledge what vets do or did and how they're able to move that forward into civilian life. Frankly, Civilian life seems like on the outside for you, it's been fairly an e a fairly easy transition, but I know there was a point there for you where that wasn't necessarily the case psychologically. Can we touch on that at all? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I almost love talking about this to a certain extent because I, I feel like I've, you know, we're, we're always constantly evolving, but, um, based off of what I did to, to work past some of those moments, um, it was, it turned out to be a really huge value add to a lot of other veterans and military guys, um, by accident. So, you know, I, I made the mistake of transitioning out of the military into the civilian sector way too fast. Um, I finished up my Afghanistan campaign in April of 2011, I was out of the Marine Corps in July, August, I was enrolled in college. So I, I transitioned from a hyper-violent environment uh, into a classroom setting within a couple months. I know that. And so, yeah, and that was incredibly difficult on my brain. You're used to thinking a, a certain tract in a cer certain way. And then also you're existing in a place, in an environment in which you're threatened almost every single day. And you're in, you're in fear for your life, essentially. So, you know, and I didn't find this out till later, but essentially like when you, everybody knows about habits and routines and how those get ingrained into your brain. Uh, existing in that environment is no different, right? So our brain makes pathways that we condition it to. And the more that you do that certain activity, the more cemented that gets in within your brain. And so I, I had a whole you know, plethora of internal issues that I was going through between the fact that I you know, somehow made it through that whole experience uh, without a scratch on top of the fact that um, I was just worried I was going to fucking die every day. And I didn't know why. Like there was this one. Yeah. How long were you and on that Afghan deployment? It was, it was seven months and it was, we were in the thick of it. Yeah. The entire seven time. months. Cause you guys do longer. So that's why I'm just asking because yeah. some people, when they hear Canadian, we do six to nine and you guys do extended periods of time. And I mean, if you think about doing repetition for seven straight months of my feet are going to blow out from underneath me, this every single step, no wonder it's ingrained in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it from, totally. from, from a 30,000 foot view. Right. And I, there was this one, there was this one day, um, I was driving down the highway and I was just overwhelmed with like this sense of, I was going to die. 
And I didn't know whether I was going to get sideswiped from another car, deer was going to run out, my vehicle was going to input, but it was in my brain at the time, it was inevitable that this thing was going to happen, right? And it's just, it's a shitty thing to th- begin thinking about. And then it just puts you into this altered state that is out of the present and, and not centrically focused on moving forward. And that moment always just sticks out to me because it was, I think it was a, a little bit of a turning point for me when I acknowledged that like something's wrong with me and I need right. to fix myself. Um, and what I did, uh, and then, and then there was this other weird thing where like, after I acknowledged it, after I understood that there was something wrong with me, that's when the pieces started to fall in place and the opportunity kind of started to align for me to, to be able to deal with this, handle it and figure out ways to move forward. Right. And so my, my cathartic thing that got me through this transitionary period was like attacking this thing full frontal. Right. And and it just happened to also align with what I was going through in school at the time because when i got back to school like i was having a hard time answering that like what what do you want to do question and so i jumped around i think it took me like three or four majors to get settled into what i wanted to do shit yeah yeah it was rough and then you're jumping around you're like i don't know like you just feel like you're you're lost in life a little bit because you can't answer that question of what do you want to do Right. And so that, that thing that I was talking about at the beginning of the, the show is like, that's, that's from personal experience. Like that's, right. that's not like just something I read in a book. It was me answering that question that ultimately got me to this place where I could be successful in my, my own right and feel like I had reached a place in life that I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so when I did get into this place, what, um, for the first cathartic thing that really happened to me was I just started brain dumping on paper. Like I just started writing stuff and journaling, like journaling yeah. or like point form, like journaling, journaling, okay. just like okay. dealing with what was going in my brain. And I think that's a huge step for anybody that's going through any type of trauma at all is just mm-hmm. externalizing it. Right. And a lot of times we have a, we have a hard time forming it into sense into sentences when we're talking about it. And it's just a little bit easier to just have a sheet of paper that's not going to judge us. It's not going to, it's not going to talk back. It's not going to ask questions. It's just there for you to get what's inside of you out. And then once you're going through that process of understanding what's coming out of your brain through your hand, you activate something in your brain of just a more totality experience, taking your consciousness and matching up to your physical form. And so I, I ended up like, it, like, I remember having this conversation with my mother to where I was like, I'm going to be a writer. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And I was like, is yeah. that weird? And she's like, no, I mean, you know, I've read your stuff your whole life. You're good at it. Like, I, I don't know how you're going to make money, but you know, if that's what's, if that's what you're tracking, like I support you 100%. And it, this was, you know, uh, 2013, right? So this was when social media was um, really kind of 
climaxing from the perspective of like everybody was participating it at that point right this was when like it was full-on everybody's experiencing this new thing in its totality right multiple different platforms multiple different people becoming creators becoming interactors within it so that degree track really wasn't just writing it was more of a multimedia communications degree right Right. And so part of that process was me taking this class that was uh, an advanced multimedia course that gave this really cool opportunity to do one, one project for the entire semester. And we, we were working in groups and I was fortunate enough to have worked with uh, my other two group members on previous projects. And I knew that I was going through this uh, ordeal, this, you know, kind of PTSD type thing. Like I was, I was super aware to, of it to the point where I was like, it, it was, it was on the floor. It was like at the edges of everything that I was as a human. Right. Okay. And so I was like, right out of the gate, like, Hey, everybody pitched their ideas. I was like, Hey, I, I got all this combat footage. Like I'm fucked up in the head. My buddies are fucked up in the head. I'm talking to them. I'm experiencing. I'm like, I want to talk about this. I want to put this out there. And they were like, right. I remember like, oh, they're just looking at me like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Right. You know? And so when I was in Afghanistan, I was, I was the archivist, Ar- archivalist, archivist. One of them. We'll take one of those things. I was we'll the one I was. Yeah. So this was, and it's a super unique point in history because from a technological standpoint, this oh, was yeah. GoPro 2, GoPro 3, point and shoot cameras. But it was before the DOD and each perspective branch really started restricting anything that you could take out with you yet because it was just new. So it was in this like weird middle ground, right? Yeah. And so I just... I don't know. I think I kind of was aware of that and I acknowledged it and I would just go around and I would collect everybody's combat footage. Like every little patrol base that we went to, like I was the guy. I was like, here's my hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 did that in 2009. That's like when I started seeing some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. And I just, was, I, I, I think that I kind of acknowledged um, what I felt would be hyper important about uh, specifically the Afghanistan deployment. And, you know, I'm kind of a sentimental dude, I guess you could say. And I just really? wanted, yeah. And I just wanted to have all that stuff. I, I wanted, I wanted to uh, have those memories. Like I wanted, I wanted it to, I wanted the importance that it had in my brain. I wanted the externalization of that. Fair. And so um, when we, when we got to, putting this project together, um, it, it was like this, this magic almost started happening within my life to where like things started aligning for me to pursue this project. You know, there was the universe a little, started agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it, it became easy, right? Like right. life, like, like when you're in the right track of life and it just seems easy to move through it, that's what this felt like. And it was the first time I had felt like that since getting out of the military. And so that had a tremendous amount of drive added to everything. And I was like, I just said, fuck all my other classes. I'm not doing a damn thing. I'm just focusing on this project. And so found for you though, it's not like it was like a moment. 
this was the thing that saved me that like got me to be a human that appreciates my own existence again. And I love that. And for, for a while, like I was, even though I was in this track where I was, I knew I was doing the right thing. I was still one step removed from my own personal involvement within it. it. And it was after I put these first couple interviews together. So I just drove around the country and I interviewed my buddies and the way that we were organized within uh, staying in Afghanistan was uh, each of our different sniper sections within my platoon, we all had to split up for the deployment, which sucks because yeah. you do, you know, all of your training with your best friends and then you get to combat and then you split up. Right. And so each of the different sections was supporting a different company. So each of the sniper sections has their own unique experiences from different parts of our battle space. And I didn't get to live that stuff with some of my best friends, but talking to them after and knowing what they were going through at the time, they also, you know, were feeling some of the same things I was. And so getting that opportunity to like put these pieces together with my buddies that I wasn't with, I would, mm-hmm. it was very unique because the, the totality of the story was really starting to come together. And then I came back and I started editing this thing with my other group members and they were like, Hey, we're missing something here, man. Like this, it's not complete. Like you need to put yourself in this. Yeah. And I was they like, always do that. Don't they? Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to talk. Like, I was like, no, this isn't about me. And they're like, no, it is. It is like, you're the, you're the missing link in this. And it's like, that's the hardest part, right? It's like externalizing this through like, I'm sharing this through video form. And so like, I can't take this stuff back. Like this is the totality of like what I'm dealing with on the inside. And I have to put it out. And that's the hardest part of dealing with all the shit inside of us, right? Did Excuse you me. um no, no, do your thing. When when your when your group members started getting this footage, because I have a few questions, so I'm gonna like stop you here. When when your group members who are civilians? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is gonna be great. So when your group <laughs> members start where you're going. Oh, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. What was their reaction to this? Because I want to know truthfully and be honest with me. Like, get, I want to know what the reaction was. It was two females. Um, oh, God, this is going to be awesome. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, Rebecca and Lexi. And they were like, what the fuck, dude? Like, are you kidding me? Like, we put together, the first thing we did was we put together a trailer. And it was like I was exposing them to this footage. And then, yeah, it, and it became a like segue to me going back through the story, right? And like reviewing all this stuff. Cause I needed them to know what was right. there. Cause the way that we were putting this together, each of us was editing, each of okay. us was producing. And so we would take turns and like, hey, you're up today to edit. And so I needed them to have a comprehensive knowledge of everything that ex- existed on this archive. And you know, I, it's similar to some of the conversations I had prior to this of, you know, you, I remember one time in particular, I was talking to an ex-girlfriend and 
I wasn't doing good. I was kind of in a dark place. I'm like, here's what I'm going through. Here's what's in my brain. And you just get this look of just blank, blank stare. And when then she said, melting off. That's my favorite. When their yes. face melts off and they look at you like you're now the devil and a baby murderer. It, it was the face melt. Like you remember the Indiana Jones face oh, yeah, melt yeah. It, yeah. at the end of the last movie. Uh, it was that it was that. And I was like, when you experience that, when you elicit that response from another human, that doesn't help anything. That's just like, oh no, I am fucked. What's going on here is super fucked. Yes. And so it it was that, but but then it was more than that because it wasn't just me talking about it to my ex-girlfriend. It was like, oh no, check out this firefight. This dude gets shot in the neck and then he runs down this ladder by himself and his squad leader, so we got the squad leader's perspective. He's running up on the roof. He's looking for the guy that was shot in the neck, but he can't find him. He doesn't know where the fuck he is. So the guy that was shot in the neck, he crawled down off the roof by himself. And then the squad leader's like, what the fuck is going on? And then he runs back down. And then he sees him laying there. You know, he's fucking bleeding out of his neck. And then, uh, like, and then the squad leader's freaking out. The guy who got shot in the neck is more calm. He doesn't have his fucking call number. And so the guy that shot in the neck has to tell him what his call number is. And then, like... And then when we went to go move him out to the fucking bird, we started getting shot out out there. It was fucking insane. And they're looking at this as you're telling them these fucking stories. And that's just like one of like a hundred that we have on this arc. And they're like, I like, you just see their fucking brain explode that they can't even comprehend this no. path of your life in these events that happened over the course of six seven months, whatever. Right. Right. Like it's incomprehensible to, to the average human. And so they, do they have like secondary PTSD? Like, are they, did they struggle with this? Like legitimately asking, like, it's funny. I know I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because darkness makes me laugh because I've been there. So I don't mean to, I hope, you know, I know, you know, but I'm just for the listeners. I'm not laughing at Logan's suffering here a little bit, but I'm not like (laughs) laughing, laughing. I'm laughing because I, I, you bring me back when you say those things, right? You bring me back and I go, I remember that. I was like, you know, one of those moments, but like, did they struggle with this? Did they have issues? Um, I, I don't think that they had issues. Um, they, I got the impression from them, they were like, no, this is important. Like, I think the, okay. the mentality that I had, the vibe that I had, um, they, were, they were on board with everything. And, and, I, and I think that they got the sense that they were attached to something important as they were working through this because the effort that, that they put into it as well was incredible. Like, it was, it was, all consuming of our lives at the time, you know, and you're talking about like, these are 22 year old girls, you know, this, these are people who never thought that they would have been exposed to this at all. And all of a sudden they're being thrust into it. They, they were like, they're all in. That's pretty incredible of them to take that and handle it like champs, because I know grown men, when I went to school, who would ask me something and I would give them a 30 second blip and I would watch their face melt off and then they would never speak to me ever again. Yeah. Yeah. It's serious. No, it is. It is. It's like once some of it is so dramatic, it's so life altering that people are like, 
can deal with it, right? Like, I'm sure you've seen it to where it's just like, I don't want to acknowledge that that exists as a human. Like I'm cutting it out, moving on. You know, I think everybody's been in relationships to where it's like that person that you're with is just like, not doing this anymore, right? I'm fucking moving on. And you're like, all right, all right, we'll see you later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Like, what am I going to argue with? This is my life. I've seen some shit. I'm sorry. I'm 96 years old. Like, what do you want from me? We yeah. all had things to do. I chose to do this. Like, I, I don't get it. Anyway, I think that's incredible, though, because I, I wanted to ask about that, because obviously, when you're getting secondhand exposure, they, I, I'm always curious how people respond to, like, video and sound and, and that idea of, this could be, this is, this is real footage. This isn't like watching Black Hawk Down or it's not like watching the Hurt Locker or fucking, you know, all these other portrayals of, of what's going on in the military. It's this, when you see real footage from a GoPro and you're right there, I can only imagine how that had a long-term effect on you of exposing others because it's not that you just were like, hey, let's do this project. This is the footage I have, like all of that. This is you going, hey, this is in here. This is my, these are my deep, dark feelings. These are my deep, dark thoughts and things I've seen and done. And I mean, maybe for you, it was harder because you're a man. And I know there's still that stereotype in the military that men have to be, you know, this, this, and apparently I could just be a pussy because I'm a woman. So (laughs) they expected me to get fucked up. They expected me to just collapse. They expected all that from her. She has a vagina. So with you, it's like, that must've been really hard for you though. Like truly, like that's a huge fucking step. You were out of the military for like a blip, bro. That took me 10 years to put on fucking paper. So you have the balls to put it on paper. Like that's impressive, dude. Seriously. Yeah. And that's kind of the norm, right? Like it takes a ton of time for, for people to work through this shit. And, and so, so this project became my therapy essentially. And mm-hmm. like, I remember going back and I remember talking to psychologists, um, immediately getting after, after getting out, uh, going to the VA and like, you know, you're going through the process. So I'm like, all right, tell me about your experience. And, you know, I lay a couple of those incidents down Okay. Or just start talking with like, so what did you experience? And, you know, you get through 15 minutes of talking and they're like, okay, is there more? I'm like, that's up to is fucking day more, three. Motherfucker? I'm like, that's day three. Do you want me to go through seven months? And they're like, I got Save it. Me I got the it. Trauma. I'm good. Me the I'm trauma. good. I'm good. You know, and that's, that's one of the most difficult things is because it's easier just to like, fucking shotgun spray this information out to the world than it is to sit here and say it to one other person and be like and see the face melting look on their face after you go through this like i don't want to fucking do that anymore i'd rather just push it out and then you can watch it on the internet or whatever yeah you, you can choose to you can choose to have the face melt happen to you rather than it be forced upon you down your throat see that's right. my that's that's my tactic grab you Shove it down your throat so far, you have no choice but to gag and go, huh, let me think a little bit. Yeah, but it probably took you a little bit to get to the, the throat gagging point, I would assume, right? I mean, really, like, let's, how far back are we going here? Like, <laughs> do we need to touch this topic? It did. It took me, yeah, it took me a while, man. It took me a minute. It took me a good, I was out in, uh, deployed in 2009. I almost said Nam. 
Fuck me. That's the Neo Citroen kicking in, team. No, I deployed in nine. You're an old soul, aren't you? I'm an old person. I'm very old. Very fucking old. I'm like picture rocking chair, Alabama accent, 62 with a shotgun. Get off my lawn. Like with the same fucking hat on. So, I mean. Yeah, I kind of see you as more of like a a BAR granny. I feel like you need a little bit of uh, automatic capabilities. I do love a good automatic weapon, but I am used to shooting the big boys. Like I don't, I've only, triple sevens are my babies. Yeah. Like the hand of God. I like that power. It feels good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm putting down. Got good vibrations. Got the vibrations. But that's the thing. I, it took me a long time. I was out in 11. I was suicidal, like, horrifically for up until my doctor was like, art therapy and then i i fought that for a while and then even once i started that and i started to get some relief then it was like being thrust into the fucking fashion industry do you see my yeah. eyes right now yeah see them? Okay. Yep. they don't get bigger they stayed like that for like the past five years because you try going to a trade show well you've been to vegas you've been to shot show right yeah okay so picture the complete opposite of shot show but with heels and like you know if you guys really want to buy my jewelry like this is how you would pair it with a pair of like gucci heels so it's a fucking nightmare for me so what i'm saying is when i told the first what what are you gonna say no that's like to me that's braver than like walking into a patrol with knowing you're going to get shot at like i would rather go do that than what you're talking about well no my favorite thing was in new york when i we went to new york my son was nine months old and i was like i want to do the trade show in new york my husband's like pack it up we're all going so we all went to new york and i go to this trade show and i i met my first my father-in-law is jewish so i've known jewish people i know their mannerisms i've seen seinfeld and curb the enthusiasm like i know the deal I go there and I meet my first Orthodox Jewish woman whom I've never met before. Didn't understand all that. She picks up, I think it was my quattro bracelet that I'm wearing. It's got a, so it's got a bullet right there, right? And so she picks it up and she looks at it and she goes, what is this? And I said, well, I served in the military. This is what I do. We use spent casings. I said, spent casings. She took it and fucking threw it. She's like, that is just, Disgusting. And I said, Blasphemy. Get this out of my presence. How dare you do such things about war? It's like, fuck you. I'm actually trying to do something good. So it's it's not that it's braver. It's different. And the difference is that industry I kind of walked into had no clue or want to give a shit about the military because it was very much Afghanistan was bumping. Iraq was slowing down. Afghanistan was bumping. People were still coming home in caskets. They didn't want to see anything that resembled something that would hurt someone or, you know. No, people don't want to acknowledge that, nor do they want to feel like they have to deal with it. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? Because I'm in the fashion industry now, and I'm going to shove it down your throat because I've learned really quickly that if you don't, nobody's going to care. So I'm going to make you care. So it's fine. So now we just use bullet casings, and people get upset, and they can, they can go get upset at someone else. I don't, I don't really care. The difference is now is it took 10 years to get to that point where I had this, if you don't like it, don't look kind of motel, you know, mentality, because before it was like I took it personally, right? 
Like somebody would throw yeah. that and I'd be like, that's my friend you just threw. That's yeah. my bullet that missed my hip that you just threw. That's my, that's the IDs I watch blow. Like that, I took it that way. And now I don't think. Because I couldn't tolerate that for that long. I mean, that's just that's hard on a person. It just is. But I think you um, you doing that. I I, I almost arguably want to say that I think you did those girls a favor. Yeah, I think it. Well, yeah, you expose like it's like you know we're always trying to pursue these uh, passive self enlightenment, right? Like. And it's one of those things where it breaks your reality of perception about how things actually are. And then you're like, okay, so, but that spurs growth within the human experience. Right. And so you should have taken that bracelet that she threw, shoved it down her throat. Like, no, you need to learn. You need to learn. You don't get to say no to this. See, but I thought she kind of got the drill. Like she's an Orthodox Jewish woman. Like the Holocaust happened like 70 at that time. It was like 70 years ago. Like I just figured she knew. I figured she understood that war is something that happens. And unfortunately, there are those that are affected. But I guess I have this idea that society thinks the way I think. And I'm learning very quickly that most don't. No, no. Most don't. Most don't. Most want to live in, uh, what's that saying? Uh, ignorance is bliss. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a yes. thing. That's a yes. thing. It's sad. Because I feel like you're missing out on so many things when you just bury your head in the sand. It's one thing to know, to know information. Like I said this to my husband actually the other day. I was like, I wish I didn't know half the things I know. Yeah. <laughs> he just I- laughed. It just made you saying that made me think of my ayahuasca experience because that you, for me you was like, Aya? yeah, oh, yeah bro. That, we need to <laughs> now let's is, talk now. Yeah, well, it was uh, that was like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was the blue pill or the red pill, but mm-hmm. that was one of those things where you don't get to come back from that. You, you know, once you make that commitment to being exposed to that, there's no, there's no going back. You're, you're plugged in and you have a layer of awareness and consciousness into the world that you can't get rid of. You don't get to go plug back in. You don't. What year did you do Aya? 19. Oh, so you did it. Okay. So like, and did you find there was a switch that flipped at that point for you? Yes. Yes. That's a switch. Um, a new reality, I think would be a better term. Um, both from what my brain was capable of and then understanding this totality and meaning of life in the sense that, um, it's not a bad thing, right? Like I don't, I don't view knowledge as a bad thing. Sometimes it does put you into certain um, thought paths that are a little bit harder to deal with, but that's okay. Like having to work through complex problems, issues, and tasks is something that we should embrace and try to do on a regular basis within our human existence. Cause like this shit's hard. It's really yeah. fucking hard. And especially yeah. if you want to make an imprint on this world, it's really fucking difficult. And so putting yourself in difficult situations, becomes part of the 
deal. You have mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. You, if, unless you just, you know, put your stake in the ground and say, ignorance is bliss. You have to pursue this path of self-enlightenment that is only going to be done through going through difficult shit. Right. I know I, I was listening to you talk or like at the beginning of the show, some of the words you were using and like the sentences you were using, I was like, he's done DMT. I know it. I fucking know it. This guy knows what's up. He knows. Cause it's, it's the way you formulate your thoughts. It's like, you can almost tell those who have been exposed to a, uh, a psychedelic experience on some level, whether it's psilocybin, ayahuasca, DMT, fucking Ibogaine, there is, there is something to be said about this. Once you tap into that, there is no going back. It's like somebody told me once, Griff from Combat Flip Flops said to me, he goes, listen, before, like right before I walked into my first ceremony, he goes, you're going to see the top of the mountain. You're never going to unsee it. You're never going to be able to unsee what she's going to show you. So you need to be ready for that reality change. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Like, whatever, bro. Like, yeah, it's like, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. And then I did. Oh, my God. It's all over for me. Ah. Yeah, that's just yeah. no joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you get exposed to different dimensions of existence that you didn't know were previously there. And I, I personally, like, I like to get granular when I talk about this because okay. uh, it's, it's easy to say like the visual, like go fucking listen to Joe Rogan. He's had a ton of people on talk about all the crazy shit they see. Right. Right. But for me and my experience, it was a good portion of this was so specific and lesson oriented that it's part of this exposure to exactly what we're talking about right now to where you you don't get to go backwards from this and specifically in my first ceremony i did four total over the course of 10 days um i was immediately exposed to three things that were uh life-changing okay hit me the first the first being uh my visual hallucinations and and what that was, was the medicine telling me that my brain was capable of things that I don't understand. And I'm not at my full potential. The, I like to describe this as a four dimensional kaleidoscope in which my soul is spread out over, uh, an area that I can't even comprehend as a human. And it's beautiful, like morphing shapes, colors, pathways that you you wouldn't even you can't try and imagine it unless you experience it right because your brain doesn't have the color concept to understand with the shapes and color i've tried to explain that to people that's a beautiful way of explaining that and it's like i can you know i could write it a million different ways i could point you to some paintings and stuff like that that i've seen as a result of people doing this or you know listening to other people like oh yeah that that i saw that um but you don't get the four dimensionality of it you don't get this um like how small you feel within the totality of the universe you don't get that through looking at a two-dimensional shape or or two-dimensional image Um, and so it was immediately, it was me moving through this in which I was just, I felt like I was strapped to a fucking spaceship and I was just like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And then it was boom, it stopped. And I was sitting in a tree 
and it was a beautiful display of like deep dark greens and purples and then i was in this like i was sitting on a branch in this like beautiful huge black tree with like the sounds of the jungle all around me right and then this weird bird creature swings down in front of me and it's got a plague mask. it's like half bird half doctor mm. plague mask the whole nine don't like that it's like got weird hybrid arm wings sort of thing oh. right but it just like it just makes me view this thing and i'm just looking at this weird creature up and down right and then it pulls up its wing hand thing and yeah. there's there's like a little there's like a little glowing uh like it like, almost looks like, like a, a glow stick? like a, no like a like a light reactor like a like oh. a white laser and it's holding it between its it's like first two wing appendages and then it, it comes at me and it starts cutting me open no like no in my throat it just starts like opening me up and i'm like my brain is thinking this should be terrifying like you should be like i'm about to die right like right. that's that's what my brain was processing but then there was this counter voice that was like you're fine everything's okay just ride so it cuts me open and comes back out and then it, it like sticks this glowing crystal in my face and then it puts it inside of me and then like a thousand tiny things like all stitch me up at the same time and like get me back to perfect and then it so leaves you're perfect right is that what you um, did you say that you're perfect no no it just fixes me oh, okay cool it fixes sure, yeah me, it's okay right? i'll pretend we didn't hear that okay. <laughs> Logan thinks he's perfect let's just okay. um actually that's uh not that i'm perfect but that life is perfect that's that's one of the other messages that i get through um whenever i've done dmt but so that's two two okay. and you know you can interpret that a bunch of different ways right but the the thing i had to take away from that was this interaction that i have to have a voice i have to communicate this it was like it was putting this like permission inside of me to to talk and do things and it's funny how life pans out and we fucking start a podcast you know <laughs> about 6 months later after i go through this experience right yeah and it was it was this like responsibility passing to me of like hey this is now inside you and, and it being centrically focused on going into my throat was like you have to speak about this you you have to talk about this this isn't just for you to hold inside anymore right and so i always i always you know obviously like talking about it because that was part of the deal that was part of the understanding in which i was going through this and then the third one is one of the more psychedelic things that i've ever experienced in my life um but later on in that first ceremony i'm surfing the the galaxy and super fun it's like really exciting like i i can't wait to do it again but at this point i had got a guide like okay. uh, an entity with me that was like guiding me through this experience. It was benevolent. It was wonderful. And it was like teaching me stuff as I went through this, this first ceremony. And I remember, 
I guess the closest thing that I can c- compare it to is like uh, existing media that's out in the world is to like something that tees it up is like, I was the silver surfer and I was like cruising through the the cosmos and like, just like, it was one of those ones. And it would always do this to me to where it was like, just a beautiful display and then it would stop right again. So this time we stop <laughs> and uh, um, this thing is with me and I like kind of look over and there is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that is like the size of the death star. It's fucking enormous, right? Like, yeah. And and so this thing starts talking to me and it's like, all right, as peanut butter and jelly sandwiches do. It wasn't the, the sandwich wasn't talking to me. The thing was explaining the sandwich to me. Okay. Say. And so it, it looks at me and it's like the, the top slice of bread, that's life. That's life. Like that's, that's your existence is life, right? That bottom slice of bread, that's death. That's where you're going. That, that's the thing that's with you all the time, right? As like the peanut butter and jelly, that like <laughs> creamy, delicious part. And this is when it got real specific. It was like, I'm going to take you into this. And then we just start moving into the peanut butter and jelly and it was like peanut this butter jelly time peanut butter jelly time it was just That's like right. this like it felt good it looked good i felt nice in there like that's where i'm supposed to be and then it got down to it was so specific and that's why i really loved this as a, a form of therapy or experience whatever you want to call it it was so specific with what it was trying to teach me in the sense that it was like you're apt to do this activity you don't need to be on ayahuasca to do it but part of your uh full potential as a human is existing in this peanut butter and jelly <laughs> you need to be in this at least 20 percent of your life and it said that exact number okay. and what is peanut butter and jelly you know i think it and it was all the things that led to types of meditation and going back uh, to uh, journaling. It was like journaling is in here. Uh, meditation is in here. Uh, running for me, it's in there. And it's showing me these activities. It's like, here's how you get into peanut butter jelly time. I love this. And it gave me my, my toolbox of stuff to do to get into peanut butter jelly. And then it was like, it's on you as a human right to do this 20% of the time and if you falter if you get off track this is where you come back to this is this is that space in which you align yourself with how you're supposed to be and that was my first ceremony i was like fuck it man this is great right yeah cuz you cuz she she i i call her she i'm sorry i do i just i i can't help myself she is very beautiful at explaining things to you in a way that you never could could imagine or comprehend. Like she took something that would resonate with you and stay with you in, in your memory bank and be like a trigger, if you will, to kind of go, this is how you get back to feeling well. This is how you get back to understanding. This is how you get back to being the Logan you were or you the Logan you can be. Because mm-hmm. I hate when people say, oh, she wasn't the same as she was before she got before she joined the army. It's like 
I don't want to be the same. I was 18. I was a dick. <laughs> Why do I want to be that? I don't. I want to be awesome. I want to be productive. I want to be healthy. I want to be well. And I think that's okay to not go back to be the way you were. But she gave you the tools. And I think that's fucking incredible that you actually listen to them. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, uh, when we look at what you were talking about earlier with the immense amount of fucking pharmaceutical drugs that get fed to us as we're trying to go through this, yet this thing that we're talking about is like frowned upon and not being incorporated into mass treatments. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like this shit comes from the ground, but you're giving me some fucking chemistry set of drugs that's supposed to help me. Like, fuck you guys. This is not how this is supposed to go through the human experience. That's right. So tell me, when you got out, were you on pharmaceutical drugs? No, I, I was like, uh-uh, not doing it. Okay. They prescribed me some stuff. Care. I don't even fucking remember what it was, but I was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not, I'm not starting that track. Right. How many, though, did they prescribe you? Do you remember? Was it like a handful? Was it a couple handfuls? Do you remember? No, it was it was one. And it was like, start with this and then we'll like develop it from here. And I was like, no, no, uh, no. I just like I had heard too much at that point. Uh, horror stories and whatnot that I just didn't like. I just I had that instinctual element yeah. to me where I was like, I'm not I'm just not going to do this. Like, I'll suffer before I go down this track. Right, right. It's good, though, that you have that ability to think for yourself at that time, right? Because God knows who, where you would be if you were just drugged up out of your mind, the path you would have taken. I know. Who would expect that from a Marine, right? Thinking for themselves? I know. It's a questionable thing. I, it's I a lot of the norm. <laughs> Listen, I just wonder if there's an actual little... Uh, alien pulling levers because i mean you are a marine so i we were a marine so i can't really sit here and be like he was super smart about his decision making processes i mean you said it yourself yeah i mean that's why you know i even like that um mother ayahuasca was even like we need to explain everything to this motherfucker on a very Mm -hmm. simple level like he needs to have the kiss principle embedded in this to keep it simple, stupid, and we yep. need to like break it down Barney style for this dude. We we needed peanut butter jelly time. How do you peanut have, butter jelly time? Exactly. How do you have a T-shirt that is just a psychedelic wave of a peanut butter jelly, and that's like the shirt you wear when you run? Like I feel like she's disappointed in you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue that actually. And I know my I'm capabilities to be able my to- ideas. I'm a, all right. I'll make that happen. I will do that. If Look at all the tasks I have. Okay, so I have to make this T-shirt. I have to make yep. a book. Wow. I'll, I'll help you with the book, though. I'll do the forward. You got that. The T-shirt. I'll approve your designs. Please <laughs> Evan and be like Evan. I have an idea for a T-shirt. No, you should make a coffee called Peanut Butter Jelly Time with a fucking peanut butter jelly with you on top of it riding it down the psychedelic wave fuck me i am crushing ideas today <laughs> oh my god i got you i got bet peanut thinking. butter and jelly coffee would be awesome bro you can't Podcast that producer you matt is just you're welcome hey evan yeah, you're welcome like, can yes, you give that. me a fucking time already now evan thank you i've just given you four <laughs> marketing ideas my god i i think that's fucking incredible though that you 
that you incorporate, I'm assuming you incorporate those, what you've learned from Aya into your life and integrated them well based off of your results. Yeah, I have to. Like, that, that's what I mean about taking the pill. Like, I can't ignore it. I have to do it. Yeah. So and, when, when are you going again? When are you going to go sit with her again? Um, so uh, maybe tonight. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have a 5-MEO session scheduled for this evening, um, which will be my second time with this, um, which is quite a bit different. Um, I did a very okay. short uh, sequence with 5-MEO DMT uh, about a week and a half ago, and it was, I'm, I'm very glad that I just kind of took a very small dosage of this because uh, it kind of opened me up and I, and I finished that one with, um, okay, now I'm ready to do this delivery method in its, um, entire experience. That's so perfect. that's next track. Maybe we need to catch up, uh, tomorrow on that outside of the podcast, but, uh, and then I'm working on, uh, getting an Ibogaine trip on the books. That's uh, the next one. I want to try and do a really scientific uh, escapade with that to where I go in and get some, get my, some brain scans mm -hmm. uh, before doing that. And then after doing that and kind of look at that, like um, all of this, like there's a larger intention with this and that is ultimately to share this stuff with the world. Right. Um, so I have uh, all of these different types of therapies with individuals that I know that have done these things kind of plotted out that I'm putting together from a content perspective where I want to walk people through this to offer up these alternative types of um, escapades outside of pharmaceutical drugs. Um, and ever since uh, coming back from the jungle, seeing the popularity within this is, has been really inspiring. And I like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of throwing my, uh, my hat in the ring on this to be like, no, I like, I think that there's, there's so much good potential here, but there's a lot of places that it could go already with certain perceptions of stuff yes. and people abusing it in some way, shape and form. So I want to, I want to put together this, like, here's the reality of it. And, and then I also want to make sure that from the veteran perspective, it doesn't become one of those things that people don't understand in the sense of like, oh, you're just doing hallucinogens in the jungle. You fucking plugged in weirdo robot. I don't want it to seem like that. So I want to put forward something that's very clear and communicative about what this means to us. Right. Right. I think that's brilliant, though. There are a lot of there are a handful of charities now that are veteran owned or veteran run their nonprofits Sorry, not owned. I don't, how do you call, what do you call it? A veteran chair nonprofit? We, they're not owned. Nonprofit. They're owned. They're founded. Sorry. They're founded. I'm, I'm trying to find the word for, see, I was looking for founder. There's a lot of vets who have founded uh, charities that are nonprofits that do this work with ayahuasca and psilocybin. And I actually have a conversation next week on a podcast with, some people in Canada called Theracil who are directly going after our government for discrimination purposes and not allowing people to use psilocybin for therapy. And so that should be, uh, should be awesome. Should be yeah. Good. Should yeah. Be good. good luck with that. And my, I did, I did the same thing. So my trip mm -hmm. to Peru was with uh, heroic hearts. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Jesse uh, facilitated that whole thing. And I have immense amounts of gratitude for, to him for facilitating that big thing for me. And I'm trying to pay it forward by just talking about it and, and opening that up as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jesse was my, (laughs) Jesse was my savior as well. I met him through, uh, Matt Griffin Griff from combat flip-flops. And he was like, I finished a podcast. He looked me like through the fucking computer, like leaned in real close. And it was like, <laughs> how you doing? And I was like, I'm fine. He's like, you're lying. How are you? <laughs> like, I'm like weeks away from suicide at this point. And he's like, he's like, yeah, how fine are you? I'm like, it's great. I'm great. I'm fucking awesome. And he's like, okay, cool. Let's, let's cut the shit now that we're off air. And let's try to have this conversation. And within, I think it was two days, I was on the phone with Jesse and 15 days later, I was fortunate enough to go sit in ceremony. And so I do this. I'm the same. Like Jesse's on that, that podcast we're doing there. So um, he's a proponent. He's got a Heroic Arts Canada is starting. So we're uh, awesome. Yeah. So that's I'm, I'm like right in your. I love this. This is the, I can't even tell you how happy this makes me to hear so many other vets who have a profile being so open and honest. Like I, I I'm so overjoyed right now. I can't, I can't even describe to you how happy I fucking am <laughs> to hear that you're like going down this path because like you said, once you know and you see how much it can heal, it is so fucking bananas to me that we are not taking this as seriously as we should be as a society for trauma healing. It's, it's, it works. She works. It works. I agree with you 100%. Like I want to dose like all of our politicians right? and leaders with this stuff. Oh. Like I want to make them do it. You know what? I will say this. People like Justin Trudeau don't deserve the honor. (laughs) The truth that she provides and the calm and the peace and the love that she can provide. He doesn't fucking deserve that opportunity. Yeah, I don't know that I want to hear Creepy Joe talk about his eye experience either, to be honest with you. He can't talk, though. So what do you say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Just the weird mumbles. Hey, Logan, I did. I it was government. Oh, there's a child. Let me hold their hand. (laughs) 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 Worse than me. And I didn't know it could get worse. (laughs) That's terrifying. Yeah. I watch your politics. You guys have a, you guys are, um, you guys are fun to watch. You guys are entertaining. It is it's terrifying, frankly. But I will say I've heavily contemplated moving to the United States because it's so bad up here. It's yeah, no, yeah, no, I, uh, I think I was telling you I ran into the Canadian at the Total Archery Challenge. Yes. And yes. He, just, he just raged at your government <laughs> for a few minutes. And I was like, I am so glad I'm not Canadian. You're like, let them have it. You know what? I I love being Canadian. It's one of the uh, one of the only things that I like. When I fought in Taekwondo, the goal was always to be in the Olympics and be the Canadian. You know what I mean? Like I I have such a deep like rooted like I love being Canadian. And when people are like, oh Canada, I'm like I don't give a fuck. I love being Canadian. But what I don't like, (laughs) what I don't like, (laughs) is the totalitarian totalitarian system that i'm currently stuck in and the inability to 
currently change it and the inability to physically shake human beings and go what the fuck are you doing not only when it comes to veteran issues but like life in general and choice making and decision making do you want to hear something fun logan i always do this is gonna get me canceled ready <laughs> my my son is starting kindergarten in september so he's five he is a menace to society and he is the coolest kid i've ever met yeah. The new program in Canada that is being taught across the country is the, called the Sochi program. The Sochi program starts in kindergarten all the way to grade 12. And it teaches your kids about every different pronoun that exists and how they can be anything that they want to be. Anything. Do you want to be a unicorn with seven legs that can fly? Well, then you know what, Jack? You can do that, even in kindergarten. And we'll affirm it without talking to your parents or even letting them in on the conversation. So it's being institutionalized across Canada, this woke culture dialogue. Just, just, you see the hair? I pull it a lot. <laughs> I'm losing a lot of it. I'm legitimately like losing my hair over this idea. So I made a mistake this week with my mouth. Are we shocked? Yeah. And I emailed the school. <laughs> By accident from my company email address and said, can I please have an opt-out form for my son from the Sochi program? So now I will be deemed... Which probably doesn't exist. Oh, it does. Apparently. I'm being told it does. I've heard it does. So they're going to see grass in unity. This human who doesn't like inclusion, which literally includes everybody, always, at all times, and actually genuinely loves... 99% of the people I meet, but because I've said it that way, and I'm concerned about my son's mental health, I'm going to be deemed an issue. And so, of course, I'm the vet who's crazy, who likes guns, who lives in Canada. Of course I'm crazy. Why would I have anything useful to say about education, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's a tough one. I'm not jealous no of that situation whatsoever. No, I'm not either. I like highly contemplate like moving to texas and like showing up at tim kennedy's door and being like put my kid in your school right and i keep seeing these things about a school and i'm like my son's in an outdoor preschool right now he has a hatchet he got on his fourth birthday he can start a fire he knows what food he can forage for and eat he knows how to build things the kid is dialed now i'm about to put him in a school system that's going to damage him break him down and make him conformative and i'm terrified you know, there's a, a little bit of a silver lining to all this, I think, and that's this form of exactly what's happening now and um, you know, Tim starting that school is that as a result of these things and this crazy dialogue that's ensuing with these programs, it's going to spur people to action to provide alternatives to what we're currently experiencing from our government. And that's okay. That is okay. The more that we get on this track, it's like, okay, government, if you just keep fucking being crazy and fucking up, like we're just going to handle all this shit ourselves. It's just where we need to end up. Like maybe they're just pouring fuel on the fire to get us to be more self-reliant anyway, which exactly. is where we need to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would like the right to have my guns back that I choose to shoot and like the right to shoot the same weapon you taught me how to shoot 
to shoot terrorists in the face. I'd like to go have my relaxed time and long shoot my long gun, but I can't do that because those were confiscated without permission and or legal action and or a bill. They just did it overnight. Well, how much is of a fucking catch 22 is this shit? Like, okay, so we can't, we can't even put, we can't put a firearm on our product to get it into convenience stores, right? Can't do it. Can't do it. The thing that the government handed us and said, <laughs> you're going to learn how to defend your freedoms with this thing. Yeah. We can't use that image and symbol on our product that promotes really? that mentality of, this being a symbol of defense of this thing that we love. Right. Can't do it. So how does that make any sense? Yeah, we, uh, we have a similar, <clears throat> we have a similar thing, uh, except it's not with a picture. Ours is with the word veteran or military. What? Nord what, what with a veteran? Nordstrom, uh, Holt Renfrew, uh, pretty much any big, conglomerate that is a fashion based deal the only ones that have done it which i'm gonna fucking applaud the shit on CAFA, canadian arts and fashion we were nominated this year for a fashion award with a bullet product we were at the forefront of something and it was for um purpose and fashion i think it was like fashion impact award is what it was called okay and it was a bullet product that was submitted but any other major conglomerate that sells something, Simons, Hudson's Bay, Nordstrom, Holt Renfrew, any of those, when you ask to put the copy, this is a product that supports veterans from Canada and US and in NATO. We donate 20% to veterans and first responders across the world. They go, we can't do that. We won't put the word veteran or military in your copy. That's cute. How the fuck am I supposed to sell my shit? I'm a vet. I'm proud of it. And everyone can suck it if they don't like it. And I'm ex-military. Wow. Well, it's really scary. Kid. Like when you say veteran, I'm like, oh, like I'd be like, oh, I'm scared already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrified of that five foot, 110 pound thing. Apparently I'm a terrifying human. <laughs> Better watch out. I'll get those ankles. Take you out of the fucking knees. <laughs> like it's, I have a tactic. You guys just go high. I go low. Then I climb on top of you and stab. It's fine. My point is. My old soul vibrations will crush your soul to where you won't even be human anymore. See, you get it. You get yeah. it. But that's my point is. Thank you. I appreciate the support, my friend. But that's the thing is in Canada, at least, we don't really discuss our military. We don't um, acknowledge it. We, um, when you go down to the States, it's insane how respected I get, except for in Texas. There was a time I flew down to meet with Tim K from the Veteran Project podcast. Mm -hmm. And I came down and I gave him my, I was at a bookstore. And it was in San Antonio at the airport. And I was just grabbing a book. I'm like, yeah, I get a book on the way home, read and relax. The girl goes, are you, are you military? And I said, why? Well, yes, I was. Because in Canada, that's not even like a question. They're like, if you're military, we no, don't, they don't even ask. Um, and I said, yeah, she goes, do you have ID? And I was like, yeah. So I hand it to her. She hands it back to me because this doesn't count. I said, I'm doesn't count for what? You're not a veteran. <laughs> she goes, you're not a veteran. I said, I beg your pardon. She goes, you're Canadian. It's not the same. I said, really? So when your 18-year-old 
fucking kid that was bleeding out that I decided, you know what? He's not Canadian. I'm not going to save him. I'm not going to work on him. I'm going to let him bleed out because I'm not a fucking veteran. And I just threw the book at her and I walked out. <laughs> I, I went because <laughs> I hope it was a hard cover. It sure shit was. And I feel good yeah. about it. But that's, that's my point. It's like most <laughs> of the time when I come to America, I, it's a different level of respect people give. But when you come to Canada, the word veteran doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold weight. It doesn't fucking, it's about, you know what it, how much it means to Canada? About as much as these Lego toy soldiers mean from Toy Story. I love this. Oh, you just gave me an idea. I want to do a Lego toy soldier coffee bag um, video. If I am not getting commissions on this shit, I don't know what the fuck I have done today because I've literally given you like the next. I mean, it's cool. You guys do a coffee with Clear Hot. It's cool. I don't. I don't feel butthurt about like anything. Why don't we just optimize? Why don't you just come down and visit San Antonio and we can just. Um, to start you know, out allocate a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, I can. It's just been difficult to get down to you. I have to do a COVID test that costs $200. Hope I pass. Get on a plane, quarantine for 14 days, get another COVID test on day one, then get another COVID test on day eight. And then at day 14, I can leave my home without the Nazis following me around. Yeah. I've, I've heard it. about these, uh, these stipulations to get in and out of the country up there, which it's really disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle. Like I had, um, like you even said to me, you were like, where are you at? I'm like, don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is World Wide Web time, buddy. This is, this is world. (laughs) I am, my podcast has been out of the almost 50 episodes I've done. I have been predominantly online so that I can get the guests I want because I cannot get people into my country to do fucking anything which is troubling but that's just me i mean i'm a perfectly normal human so i mean it's fine now that my rant is over um i think i think what you guys are doing is incredible though logan and i i i want to touch a little bit on um kind of what's going on with you and how you guys are coping with everything that's kind of come out and i know you might not want to talk about it the reason i touch on it is because being having stores in america i have stores that are very liberal and then the opposite and so how has that been for you guys how are you handling everything that's going on how is black rifle taking it on the chin the way it is oh are we taking it on the chin is that what's happening honestly like it's really not a big deal um I was, you know, I, I, there's a couple of people that I call when we go through stuff like this outside of the company, because I want to get the perspective from other, uh, members of the community. Uh, one of those is a man I respect dearly. And, um, I would consider a, a mentor, which is Kyle lamb. And then, wow. uh, I talked to Jack Carr quite a bit and he, he really summed it up in a way that I, I really resonated with me. And I think, what he said being uh, that in America, we love underdogs, right? And we love to see this bootstrap group of individuals or individual uh, rise from the ashes and become something that nobody thought that they could be and, and be a beacon of hope for other individuals. Now, we also have this 
mentality to beat the shit out of that concept once they do make it to the top or near the top and it's so counter the top like let's be honest yeah and it's so counterintuitive to the whole progress of, of what we're trying to do that um it it has become part of the understanding that it's just something you have to deal with right for me it's just it it's the same as paying my taxes right like it's fucking annoying and it takes my time and energy to be able to do this but it's just part of the gig right right when you look at the totality of the effect that the effect the actual effect that this had on us um less than two percent of our customer base like that's nothing it's nothing right over the course of time that's nothing it doesn't matter and i think that it's easy in the moment to get trapped up into this stuff and i got a team of people on the social media engagement team on top of customer service who has to field all this shit and these fucking trolls who won't leave us the fuck alone because you read a fucking single quote taken out of context and you feel the need to come message this company there's a fucking 35 year old veteran who has to listen to your bullshit who sacrificed his fucking freedoms for you fuck off and so like that's the hardest part for me to have to deal with is knowing that i've got a group of people who have to be at the forefront of that and you're negatively impacting their emotional health because of the amount of bullshit that you feel like you need to communicate through the internet yeah the internet's a great place right now isn't it i learned really quick i was told i was told after jocko don't read the comments because that was the biggest thing i had done some i'd done gma i'd done a little things a little blips here and there right but this was like five and a half hours of me ranting about my life for the first time publicly like don't just like i mean if you value like your sanity don't do it don't do it not worth it yeah and and that was one of the other things i kind of had to I got to a point where I have to do like these mandatory checkouts where it's like, just shut it off for a while. Um, and that really came through. Uh, I went up to Alaska recently on a, on a bear hunt and all that, you know, you, you don't do the social medias up there and how healthy I was mentally when I came back from that up there. Cause like, who, who do you know that's shut it off for 15 days? Of, I mean, like, fuck. I'm trying to think. And that's not even that long of a time. It's two weeks. I know people that do it over the weekend, and I go, you're insane. Yeah. And that, so I think that's, that's a huge part uh, for in, in a lesson. Like, that's what I tell the peeps over here on the team. I'm like, check out. Just check out for a while. It's not a big yeah. deal. Nothing like the world isn't going to burn down in the time that you're not looking at fucking Twitter comments. It's okay. But get that, get that release for yourself to where you don't have, you know, where you check out and you come back a little bit more refreshed. So is that what you do? Tell me, tell me your tips and tricks now for our people and our listeners, because I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a great episode and people are going to really lean on this. And you're doing exactly what you set out to do other than do a smart water commercial. You're setting yourself out. (laughs) I mean, are you Jennifer Aniston? Did that just happen? Yeah. Your beard's almost as great. So my, my, my thought though is, you know, you're obviously doing the right things and putting yourself in the right mindset. So you're checking out, what else are you doing? You're running, you're journaling, 
What else are you doing? Uh, it's this, um, this trial period of, uh, th- there's, there's just one thing, like there's one overarching theme here and that's just be the best version of a human that you can be. Um, mm-hmm. and so like step one, learn yourself, right? Like, so, you know, I think specifically when you start to get older, you're like, Oh my God, this fucking machine's not working the way that it used to. I better fucking figure out what the fuck is going on. Right. So, um, God, I'll tell you, man, you just fucking opened me up for such a goddamn rabbit hole here. Uh, Give me the rabbit hole. I want it. You know, I, there, there's a couple things, um, some energy level issues that I was going through uh, that I just want to like, I, be, because of the fact that like, I need to be fucking on all day, every day. Uh, and I need to have like good positive energy across the board that like, I just didn't feel like I was there. So I just got a shitload of blood work done. I got a DNA test. I got this uh, advanced version of the 23andMe, which give you your raw DNA data. And then I sent all that raw DNA data to a Instagram individual called Lifehack, Lifehack, or no, Genetic Lifehack. Okay. And they gave me a like 50 page rundown of my oh, DNA. Jesus. Yeah. And so I was like, here's, here's diseases, your predisposition to here's like your muscle type. Here's like some dietary things. And it, it broke all this shit down. Like, Oh my God, this is awesome. I got all this wonderful information that I didn't previously Remind me about this after remind me about this. after. I will do that. I will do that. And, uh, so from there I pursued various, uh, new tracks when it came to diet, lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm just over 30 days into carnivore right now. And I feel like I'm operating at a super high level, nice. which has been awesome, but you know, tips, tricks, hacks, schwacks, whatever. Um, how do you become the best version of yourself that you can possibly be? Like, that's a really good question to ask yourself on a regular basis. And it's like diet or exercise, like we're all going to have different answers. And that's what's fun about this is like, what fucking works for you? Figure it out. And I think yeah, we have, yeah. we have this like tendency to like lean on like, oh, I'm just going to do what this other person did. But like, no, it's way more fun when you, when you as the person who are trying to be better, develop your own program, like that's when it's really fucking cool. Well, that's what I find fascinating. That's why I ask a lot of people this question, because I think when people listen to multiple different episodes, you're getting a, like, you're getting a column here built out where now you've got all these people saying all different things and it gives someone to go, okay, well, I want to be a better version of me. How do I do that? And sometimes that's as far as conversation goes with someone, right? They don't have the tools, thought process, or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Critical thinking to, to even have idea processing, right? So now when people listen, they go, oh, I never thought, I never thought about journaling. I never, I never even thought that was an option. So it's like, then people start to go, well, here's all the different ideas that I would never have thought of. Well, let's just try a couple of them. And then I can build and see off of that what worked for me. And that seems to be really receptive. Like people are really receptive to that. So when you say like, I go hunt, I'm hunting, right? You're a hunter. Mm-hmm. So you're a hunter, you're on a carnivore diet, you journal. Do you meditate regularly? Yeah. Okay. So you meditate. So you, it seems like there's a, a lot of common overlap and, and that's what's really great to see because then you go, okay, well, yes, this is for me, 
but yes, at the same time, this has worked over a span of people. Did you just make another coffee? No, I, um, I reacted Ooh. to you talking shit about the smart water and I poured my water into my thermos. Well, I mean, you are like, oh, I mean, I mean, I'll call you on your shit every part of the day. But I think that's important to acknowledge that when you start to even listen to some episodes and people start to go, hey, I've done this and this, you start to see commonality, right? And you see common denominators. And that gives people yeah. a starting point. And most of the time, people just need starting point. That's it. They just need a spark. And that's all it takes most of the time for people to just better themselves. And I think the takeaway from you really truthfully is there is an opportunity in every single person to be better, but you have to ask the tough questions. Yeah. And, you know, to bring this thing full circle, I think it's like, what do you want? Like, it's, I think we try and overcomplicate this stuff some of the times. And it's just like, man, what do you want? What do you want? Like figure that out. And it may change down the line and it may evolve, but it all starts with that one question. Well, I want a peanut butter and jelly shirt. That's so bad. So I just, peanut I mean, I answer. coffee. Can it be? I know, I'm kind of, we're going to put myself in a bad situation because I can't eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right now. So you really are. But if you, if we make a peanut butter and jelly coffee, then you kind of skate, that, right? Cause it's like, you're going to drink the coffee anyway. I'm just saying just yeah. an idea. Listen, Logan, it's been uh, a pleasure. Um, I'm just going to acknowledge for a second that we had to change Logan's background a few times because he's a perfectionist. And I will like to acknowledge <laughs> I love the background and the backdrop of your podcast studio. Well done, sir. Hopefully when JT finds a date, I will get to see the actual studio at some point in fruition. Um, thank you so fucking much for making the time. I know you're a very busy guy and we do appreciate it. And I know my listeners are going to, explode when they hear that i've got logan stark i almost wanted to make a tony stark joke and then i was like there's a bomb and then there's like a stark and then there's like the thing but you did it for me so i don't even need to so thank you i kind of thought you would have went over to the more of the game of thrones track to be honest never seen it never seen it really nope okay that's another side conversation but actually um you're you're not going to see this thing in its totality as uh free range american podcast is switching over to the black rifle coffee podcast what Mm -hmm. am i yeah we uh yeah yeah um it's it's happening very shortly here so uh we were just kind of you know once things get underway they kind of evolve in certain ways and you kind of got to just adapt with it so right um what was really resonating with the audience and it is kind of just a response to you know what the audience was really liking and that was more of just like the four of us sitting around and talking shit and being silly and stupid um and so uh you know, the original concept for free range American was to be super outdoors centric and stuff like that. And it's just, it just evolved to being something that was uh, a little bit more all encompassing in our life. So we're like, ah, let's just, let's just take this, make it the black rifle coffee podcast, uh, optimize our CEO or SEO stuff. And then, um, we're going to restand up free range American, uh, more just centrically focused on that hunting outdoors fishing space um and bring in some new faces over there so we're gonna see a little bit of changes on this side a little bit but it's uh super cool i'm excited for it i'm excited for you so wait i have to take on four all four i gotta do i'm doing four on one 
Is this what you're telling me? I don't know. I'll talk to Jared. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Because listen, I don't know. I'm be ready. I'm scared. Because I'm been ready. Ain't scared. No, no, it's not very many things that, no, let's, let's be honest here. Please don't. Anyway, listen, Logan, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Everyone, can you please tell us where to find you? Obviously, Black Rifle Coffee, but Logan's own information, please tell me. Yeah, my, uh, my personal socials are just Logan Stark. Super easy. Super easy. And you're not going to forget because now I'm going to plant in the Iron Man idea. And then you're going to be like, oh my God, Stark. And then you're going to be like, oh my God, what's that guy's name? And then I'm going to be like, the guy with the beard that has a smart water commercial. And you're going to be like, the peanut butter jelly guy. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, that guy. <laughs> The peanut butter jelly guy. Peanut butter jelly time. I should make that your intro. Fuck yeah. All right, guys. I am out of here. Everyone say bye to Logan. And uh, we will check you all out next week.